What AFC East receiver has bulked up and is moving up draft boards as a result? Should you believe Gronk when he says he's done with pro football? And does one AFC West sleeper need to be moved up on your draft board? Plus, <clears throat> excuse me, FFPC main event league champ, football guys league winner, and 2022 pros versus Joe's competitor, Bill Van Ormer drops by to talk about whether Clyde Edwards-Alaire is now a buy, his favorite Dolphins running back to draft, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the high-stakes fantasy football hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferelliacs tuning in tonight. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll break down what Panthers have become nice targets pun intended, with the Carolina Panthers acquiring Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. What AFC West running back is making for a nice, affordable sleeper? And then Bill Van Ormer, a former FFPC main event multi-league winner and Football Guys Players Championship League champion, will join us to discuss Dalton Schultz's contract situation, his ADP, what he's doing with him in drafts, uh, that player, and much more, as well as his plan of attack in this year's Pros versus Joes competition, which, by the way, Next weekend, that starts up, and we'll be broadcasting each and every one of those six live drafts right here on the FFPC YouTube channel at youtube.com slash FFPC Fantasy. Want to give you a reminder, if you have not liked the channel, please do so. If you have not subscribed to the channel, please do so. If you have not hit the notification bell on all the production that we are churning out there, not only the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, but the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, which you can go back and watch Wednesday's episode with Frying Pan Inc., Darren Larson, Brad Petri, the 16-time FFPC and Football Guys champions, league champions, uh, in the 2020 uh, KFFSC overall main event champs. They were on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. A lot of fun with those guys. You can check that out from Wednesday in the archive videos. And late-breaking news. Um, we will be doing FFPC best ball coverage the next time Dave Terpoli and I cover one of his uh, $125 entry uh, entries into the $200,000 grand prize FFPC best ball tournament. That will be on August 10th. So after we're done with pros versus Joe's Terp and I will run it back as the kids say, and we will cover his third live draft right here on this channel as well. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, please do so at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman and always learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. You can sign up for the Draft Masters, the Run to Daylight, and the main event, and much more. All available whether you want to draft online, draft live in Cincinnati, or like me, 
draft live in Louisville just realized I got to book my room and my flight yet for that. So that is going to be uh, uh, object one, job one after the show. I get done with that tonight. I got to do that. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash HSFFR. And you also email the show, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for myself, for Farrell, for Bill Van Ormer, now is the time to send them. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets and emails uh, coming up in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. The FFPC main event slow drafts are off and running. The chase for the $1 million grand prize, an industry record for season-long fantasy football is on and remember if you want to sign up for one of the live drafts whether you're doing it in august late august uh, early september if you are paid in full by july 25th you are going to find out what your draft slot is by august 1st you can have a month plus to prep to find out what you're going to do with that draft slot as you chase that one million dollar grand prize we have multiple football guys drafts filling up each and every day um i'll be commissioning those all weekend hopefully you can see those in there by the way shameless plug um there is a new feature on footballguys.com for the Football Guys Players Championship, a view from the commissioner. Basically, it's me uh, writing um, about what I'm seeing in those draft rooms. I usually answer three questions each and every week. Uh, so that is on there right now at footballguys.com. You can get the inside skinny on what the commish is seeing here. Not the real commish, just me, the fake commish, the facilitator, as it were. Um, and uh, we'll always highlight one player to watch each and every week there as well. That's at footballguys.com. You can check that out there. The 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament Grand Prize and Prize Pool doubled from $100,000 to $200,000. Prize Pool, five hundred dollars up to a $1 million. The inaugural Superflex Best Ball Tournament has been launched, and it is filling up fast. It is more than 50% full, and quite frankly, it's almost 60% full at this point. So if you want to turn $35 into 10 grand, make sure you're signing up at myffpc.com, Dynasty Startups, as well as plenty of slow, live, and uh, sit-and-go best ball options at myffpc.com. As I said, the Run to Daylight Championship, the Draft Masters, and the KFFSC main event going on, the kickoff division. Starts live this Thursday for the KFFSC. That's very exciting as well. And let's bring in the commissioner himself, the incomparable. Farrell Elliott, welcome to the broadcast, man. How are you? What an introduction. Thank you, Valky. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, much. you deserve it, man. You are the you, you're the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. You should get a long, flowery, red carpeted introduction. Well, Balky, you know, uh, you always make me feel good with those wonderful words. And I really was thrilled to turn into your uh tune into your Rotoviz podcast and and enjoy uh Petri and and Larson. Uh, you know, our, our live events in Cincinnati and Louisville are a blast. We added the Super Bowl weekend where we, we get together and draft and enjoy the game. Petra and Larson was there, and late in the afternoon on Sunday, I pointed it out to my good friend Jesse Bumstead. We caught Petra smiling, and it was really, really great. It was fantastic, and we pointed it out, and other people saw it too. And so, you know, if you want to see Petra smile, uh, Plan on coming to Kentucky. We still have spots the 26th through the 28th at uh, Caesar Southern Indiana. And, you know, if if that's too much drafting for you, because we all are going to gather soon at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, uh, start considering spending your Super Bowl weekend with all of your uh, fantasy football friends and competitors. 
Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, a great decision, great advice, obviously, there. Yeah, Petra did not smile during the road of his high-stakes slowdown at all. Um, he's always smiling on the inside. He's smiling on the inside. He's smiling mm -hmm. when he's when he was hoisting that 2020 KFFSC main event overall trophy. I know that for sure. Looks um, good on he and Darren. Yes, he does. Yes, and uh, for sure. And it was great talking to those guys. Once again, that's in the uh, video section of the FFPC YouTube channel. You can go back and watch it at your leisure. Let's kick things off in Chicago. The mm -hmm. athletic reporting darnell mooney has bulked up to 183 pounds this past offseason now if uh for for context he played in the low 170s is not only his rookie year but last year as well he's getting a creatine shake a creatine shake muscle milk in the evening and then uh, right before bed just like all the healthy athletes do it pounds a bowl of fruit loops that's how I put on weight for sure. Uh, Dan Pompey is reporting this as well. He had 986 snaps last year. That was fifth uh, in the league for receivers. Mooney says he's trying to increase his stamina this offseason. Luke Getze, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, now the OC in Chicago, says that he wants Mooney to explode off the ball in every play, whether it's a pass play, whether it's a run play, so defenders can't get a good read on it. Uh, Tyke Tolbert, the receivers coach there, said they want to make Mooney a moving target. They want to put him on the outside. They want to put him in the slot, on the ball, off the ball, sending him in motion. They're going to do everything. Now, while Darnell Mooney isn't your typical number one receiver, Farrell, this is everything that you want to hear if you're thinking about drafting Mooney this year. seems like the Bears want to use him the right way. Luke Getze certainly a smart guy after working with Nathaniel Hackett, Matt LaFleur, Green Bay last year with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Now he gets Darnell Mooney, wide receiver 27, going in the fifth round, right after Jerry Judy and Rashad Bateman, right before Amon Ross St. Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. I got to believe that Mooney is a guy you want him. Now's the time to get him because I don't think he's going to stay in that late fifth round much longer. Oh, I'm going to throw cold water all over this bulky. Now, Luke Getze and your wide receiver coach, I didn't catch his name. Those sound like some wonderful preseason quotes. Uh, Getze played quarterback in college for the Akron Zips, and that sounds like exactly what a quarterback would talk about and what he wants from his wide receiver. But, you know, uh, yeah, this is a very good player, a player I have a lot of respect for. He's a tough player. He's on the field. He doesn't come off. He's exactly what you want in a blue-collar uh, wide receiver. However, our, our FFPC, KFFSC drafters are drafting him if he is a true number one. You know, 61 catches his rookie year, impressive. 81 last year. Uh, 12 of them came in week 17, so fantasy players didn't enjoy that. I thought that last year was pretty much a snapshot of the first year. Uh, he had five games where he had less than um, uh, five catches, uh, two games where he where he had singles. Uh, as the season goes on and as you want to count on him more, he's playing outside in Chicago in a team that's designed to run the ball. They're going to move him around. They're going to try to open him up. You're going to have uh, a lot of – uh, yards after catch for this player, and I think he's a very, very good player, but I think he's being a little overdrafted. The guys you mentioned before and after him are the guys that I like more. Uh, but, yeah, and and he can eat all the Fruit Loops he wants, but uh, his body frame is going to gravitate more towards 175, 180. And, you know, that's important as the season goes on, but it's also important with – with contact balance, you know, Mr. Ramsey, you're Mr. Alexander, uh, Dallas is uh, Trayvon Diggs. All these guys know how to separate the ball from wide receivers, especially one who's 5'11", 180 pounds. Is there any thought to 
the Bears maybe not being a very good team in 2022, and maybe they will be passing a lot. And, you know, Darnell Mooney could be a guy that his stats don't look so good at the halftime or at halftime, but by the end of the game, all of a sudden he's piled up all this stuff in the fourth quarter. Does that make you like him anymore? Or are you just looking at this from the standpoint of, man, there, there, there are other players going around him yeah. that I think have higher upside. That would make him attractive to me as a ninth or 10th round pick. I I suppose, especially in the FFPC, this is your number two receiver, maybe a number three in the seventh round, but I'm going to want, a steadier, higher ceiling performance. And let's look at the fact that he had four touchdowns last year. Uh, Cole Komet, uh, zero touchdowns last year. This team and this quarterback has yet to prove a passing attack in the red zone. I just want to take a hard pass on this one. I'll let someone else take the risk uh, for these players. You said he's right before Schuster? Yes. Yeah, give me Schuster and let's, let's see what he can do with Mahomes throwing him the ball in the red zone. Uh, moving on to the second receiver, we're going to talk about bulking up this year. It's the bulked up episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Already Get. Darnell Mooney, myself, Eric Balkman, and now Gabriel Davis, his personal trainer, Burt Wiggum, told Pro Football Focus's Doug Kide that uh, Gabriel Davis now is up to 227 pounds. That is 17 pounds more than last year. Uh, or be- beg your pardon, that is 17 more pounds than he was listed last year, but reportedly he played around 220. Now, uh, the personal trainer saying that he's bigger, faster, and stronger, that the weight he's put on has been muscle. Uh, he says people say that's too big, but he's 23 years old. He's still growing into his body. You're going to see a big receiver. And this is weird, or I guess non-standard, let's call it, because he was the deep threat on this team. And you don't normally see a 227-pound deep threat, especially the way he's been used. His average depth of target uh, as a rookie was 17.4, an dot of 15.3 last year. Uh, in uh, the big Chiefs playoff game, we saw him just crush it with the four touchdowns. Farrell, I, I guess I'm curious here. Um, how does this affect Gabriel Davis, if if at all, from a fantasy standpoint this year, knowing that he might be utilized a little bit more as a quote-unquote traditional receiver, given his bulk, that he should be able to toss these corners around a little bit more than he did last year. I know he's going up um, in, uh, in ADP, and we'll give a shout-out to uh, Darren Armani, FantasyMojo.com, at FantasyMojo on Twitter, for all the ADP data we report on this show. He's up to wide receiver 24, so he's actually going ahead of Darnell Mooney at the 505. He's been climbing. I expect him to climb a little bit more. Everybody wants a piece of the Bills passing offense. Is that a piece worth obtaining on your team in the mid-fifth? Not in the fifth round. This is a, and we're big backers of this player. We, I remind all the listeners, and I do this every, and we talk about this player a lot. I remind everyone that we talked about this player as a free agent pickup, and we really liked him. And he catches about 35 balls a year, and he finds the end zone. He is a product of what defenses are trying to do to stop digs, what defenses are trying to do to get to the quarterback. This quarterback moves off his spot. and He opens up opportunities for everyone in the offense to catch the ball. Jameson Crowder's now in this club. Uh, Singletary uh, is, is having a better experience with catching the ball. The running back, Cook, will probably find himself getting downfield. And the tight end, Knox, was a red zone champion. I don't see how this player in the fifth round can compete with the with the kind of numbers that you're going to get uh, from fifth round receivers. Uh, Brandon Cooks comes to mind. Um, Jerry Judy, Rashad Bateman going after him. 
exactly. Uh, you know, I have my concerns about Bateman too, but Bateman um, has distinct physical skills that translate well to what that team is trying to do. So I, I think you've got a, a 50 to 60 ball player here that uh, could do well with, with touchdowns, uh, but maybe they're going to be peppered and spread around. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a great team to have players on, and I think this is the eventual AFC champion. There you are, Mr. Krautwurst. I said it. And uh, But but at this price, he's, he's now priced himself out of the market for me. Uh, are we doing Super Bowl predictions? So it's Bills and who, Farrell? Well, I, I'm throwing that one out there at the AFC. I haven't quite pinned down right. the Super Bowl. Yet. Okay. You know, no, if, but, but the if, Bills are coming out of the AFC, right? Well, yes. And if you can, um, if you can uh, win the home field advantage, that's what Buffalo has to do. Mr. Davis has to help them. But right. Diggs and all the other guys that we mentioned are going to, you know, uh, Josh Allen is 0-3 as a starter in the playoffs on the road. So they've got to win that home field, and they've got to keep it. Uh, for sure. And more to come on Super Bowl predictions throughout the season. <laughs> as we are still in July, people, but it's still fun to talk about. It's always fun to talk about that. It's always fun to talk about accomplished, high-stakes fantasy football players. Even more enjoyable to talk with them and not just about them. And let's talk with one right now. I want to bring in tonight's guest. He is a seven-year veteran of the FFPC. He's won five main event league championships. Wow. And in last year, an incredible feat, 11 of his football guys teams made it to the championship game. And in seemingly impossible feats, they went 0-11 in the title games. Really unfortunate. But hey, something to hang your hat on because I don't know anybody else has ever done it. He's already drafted several of the football guys players championship leagues this season. He's counting down the days, not only to his FFPC main event squads uh, going off his big payback, squad that he'll be drafting uh that's the weekend in las vegas and uh and also an appearance in the pros versus joes uh champion or challenge this year he'll be participating in that as well he's here to tell us all about it follow him on twitter at wavo 20 that's w-a-v-o-2-0 please welcome in to the high stakes fantasy football hour bill van ormer bill hey, welcome hey. to the show man uh thank you for having me how you gentlemen doing we're bill doing van armor we're, we're thrilled to talk with you tonight um so let's we don't need to dwell on this and you said in our in your email to me it's something to laugh about now how do you go 0 and 11 in football guys title games that is tough to do it it was interesting i guess that's kind of an understatement but yeah 0 for 11 <laughs> i was looking at it you know you kind of got some things lined up thinking i got three or four of these in the bag next thing i know 0 and 11. <laughs> <laughs> Three and eight. I did uh, two main event teams last year. Um, one loss in the semifinals. The second team lost in the finals as well. So it's technically zero and twelve, if, if we're being honest. Yeah, but who's counting? Um, yeah, right, exactly. So, so we're all, we're on to bigger and better things. Um, yes. Before we get into your football guys teams and and sort of your player analysis so far uh, this season, can you tell the listeners what you're doing to spend your time when you're not drafting all these FFPC teams? You're kind of cutting out a little bit. Did you say, what am I doing um, when I'm not playing fantasy football? Exactly. Okay. I just actually moved to Las Vegas uh, two weeks ago for work. Oh. So that's taken up some of my time, quite a bit of it, actually. Um, a big hobby of mine is tennis, though. I play a lot of tennis recreationally outside of um, work and fantasy football. Tennis? I don't think tennis, I've ever had yeah. a, a recreational tennis player on before. Tennis, How often yeah. are you playing tennis, Bill? <sighs> Uh, I'm, I'm going sometimes five, six days a week, actually. Good for you. Yeah, Good it's, it's you. fun. 
in 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 Las Vegas, are you playing indoor or outdoor, Bill? It's all outdoor. And- uh, I'm in, I'm impressed. Well, will uh, you and uh, Mr. Mooney are going to have some of the same issues of holding weight then? As <laughs> exactly. you, know, I, it, you you strike a, a very impressive pose, a, a, a real gentleman of the manly arts here. As we talk to Bill Van Ormer, I got you know, you fooled then. <laughs> I look at your I look at your picture here. You know, it it it's. it's Reminiscent of EJ Hollow, one of my all-time favorite Kansas City Chiefs. Big guy. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, hey, I got something I got to ask you about. Balky has been asking me about wide receivers. I was hoping he would get to one I could actually like. But I'm going to keep your ball rolling. I have drafted not as frequently as you, I imagine, this year. But I've been pretty busy. And I have not taken Michael Thomas at for one team anywhere. And I'm close to 30 teams. But now um, – it's getting pretty tempting. He's in the seventh round. He is a skilled player in a situation that I think he will have some uh, type of statistical <laughs> representation to make it worth a fantasy player. Your thoughts on the Saints wide receiver who can't seem to get out of his own way? Hey, everything's kind of going silent. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, you're well, you sound through. great. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm having trouble, I guess, with the reception here. And talk because... about Thomas. Yeah, Michael okay. Thomas. Oh, I mean, I'm all in on Michael Thomas, whether I like sure. it or not. I guess <laughs> I've done I've done eight football guys, and I think I have them on six out of eight. Wow. I've gotten them. I mean, if he's in the seventh round, I'm going to jump on him. Okay. I'm in the middle of a main event, six hours slow draft. And seven eleven, I got Michael Thomas. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to turn him down there. I mean, well, I don't think we're getting the same Michael Thomas of 149 receptions of two years no. ago. But I mean, having Michael Thomas with the upside as my number four wide receiver, I'll, I'll push all the chips in on that. Fair enough. Uh, Bill, we have had a discussion going on in the YouTube chat about the Kansas City receivers. Right now, um, the uh, the Chiefs add Marquez Valdez Scantling. They add Juju Smith Schuster. They lose Tyree Kill. Um, a lot of people have given up on McCole Hardman. Are you another? Are you a player that's given up on McCole Hardman? How do you feel about Hardman this year? I don't know if I've necessarily given up on him. I don't think he's looked great with Mahomes the last couple of years. I think he's gonna have a little more shift to try to replace Tyree Kill, which is easier said than done. I'd probably prefer him at the late value where he's going, but I mean, he's a tough pill to swallow if you want consistent play out of him. Yeah. I think he's probably a better best ball wide receiver. You know, okay. Rarely do we ever get to talk about a player who is virtually free as bulky says, but I'm, I'm looking, I was drafting, uh, football guys, I just put to bed one of the slow drafts, and I rolled around to the 18th round, and there is Curtis Samuel. And I think, do I want to spend an 18th round pick on Curtis Samuel? I know that uh, I, I know that the Washington team certainly spent on Curtis Samuel. He's a 12 million dollar cap hit. Right. Uh, the uh, and I look at the 2020 stats. Uh, not only did he catch the ball 70 plus times, he ran. Uh, for 200 yards and a couple touchdowns. And, you know, Carson Wentz moving in there, I don't know how that affects his game. Your thoughts on Curtis Samuel? Because, hey, 
I can't go wrong in the 18th round with Curtis Samuel. When, when we gather with you in the desert at Planet Hollywood, is he still going to be in the 18th round? I mean, my thoughts are it comes down to his health. Yeah. He had seen soft tissue injuries and uh, just wrecked his year last year. I, I think he's an upside steal in the 18th, 19th round. I don't think he'll probably stay there if he stays healthy during training camp. Fair enough. I mean, I think his ADP is going to rise. But, you know, he was under Rivera two years ago in Carolina when he kind of had to break out in the second half of the year. I mean, they're almost using him a little bit like Debo Samuel, you know, getting him the ball in his yeah. hands with some running plays too, which I, if he's healthy, I couldn't see him not doing that this year a little bit. Yeah, I What a thrill that. it is to draft early, isn't it, Bill? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it makes a lot of sense because the the, AD, uh, the draft, it's going to change. Hmm. The ADP is definitely going to change. And, and I remember, too, when Curtis Saban was at Ohio State, I mean, he was sort of like a hybrid running back receiver back then, mm-hmm. too. Um, and the fact that if he is healthy this year, he gets an upgrade in quarterback, there's a lot to like there. Bill Van Ormer, our guest tonight, uh, he of the five FFPC main event league titles and Football Guys Players Championship League Championships, in the pros versus joes challenge this year bill have you ever been in the pros versus joes before i don't think you have but i could this be is wrong. my first pros versus joes and I, honestly this is my first best ball oh okay so are you yeah. doing any best balls to prep for this absolutely none <laughs> <laughs> he's got it he's got a hell of a backhand ball he's, he's got the backhand more version. tennis than best balls <laughs> Yeah, honestly, um, I'm looking forward to. It. I think it's going to be fun. I'm not a true best ball guy. I enjoy the management during the season. I mean, I'm putting my work into the football guys and then starting the main events. But um, I, I'm really looking forward to being in the uh, pros versus Joe's. It'll be a different animal. Well, and it's weird because you know you're used to competing against 11 other high stakes players. Now in mm-hmm. this format, pros versus Joe's, you're going to get six pros that may not know the format as well as these so there's a lot to take advantage there right right it'll definitely be different i gotta do some studying and reading up on that i think i draft i think our draft is august 1st okay and we'll be broadcasting that here now don't be a stranger if you want to pop back on this show make a pick live on the air we always love that bill sure perfect what else i'll be doing las vegas i mean it's adult (laughs) town (laughs) yeah um let's talk about uh the chiefs want to get back to them here real quick Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a guy I just recently drafted in the Scott Fishbowl, so make sure you're telling every everybody about what a great pick he is. Um, he's now a late sixth-round pick in the Football Guys Players Championship. That is the lowest he's ever gone in his professional career. Is now the time in the late sixth to pounce on him, Bill? Is this the spot to grab CEH? Uh, on my side, I, yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think he's a great opportunity at that late in the draft um, for a number one running back. I mean, everybody knows Nandy Reed running back in that offense. I mean, I think the big thing I've said earlier, you know, they're replacing Tyreek Hill. I think Mahomes was a little smarter quarterback last year, maybe just, you know, not forcing the ball quite as much. Hill gone, getting the ball to Edwards Hilaire out of the backfield this year more consistently. That makes a lot of sense for that offense. You know, what what makes absolutely no sense to me is is my question. And I'm going to read it. Like like the press wrote it here, Isaiah Spiller, will he be part of a committee joining other nameless running backs uh, for the Chargers? Will he be part of a committee uh, that splits time uh, with Austin Eckler? So before you answer that question, Bill, I want to tell you that uh, here in Kentucky, uh, when we drafted the KFFSC, Austin Eckler is uniformly drafted no later than the sixth pick. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand uh, what kind of committee there could be. Perhaps they're on the sidelines, a committee to greet Austin after his exploits of scoring fantasy points. Your thought on Austin Eckler, do any of those running backs on the roster, Spiller or anyone else, break into his time to make him not worthwhile of his number one draft status? So that's a yes or no question, whether he's in a committee. I, I mean, I would I would answer that yes, but the question is what type of committee? I mean, I yeah. think Spiller's going to cut in. I don't think or I don't see Eckler as a 25-touch carry every year, every week. He's going to wear down throughout the year. Well, what, what makes it different this year than it has in the past? I think Spiller's a better running back than what they've had in the past. Well, perhaps, yeah. Uh, it, it, they they paid the draft capital for him. Mm-hmm. I just think Austin Eckler is a very, very special player in a unique position with it. We're oh, a, he's in electric. A division. He's absolutely electric yeah. when he touches the ball. Yeah, in, in a division where – okay, and now – and since you have relocated to Las Vegas, I wanted you to know about Austin Eckler's draft value here in Kentucky because there are nonstop flights from Las Vegas to Louisville if you want to extend and expand your territory to come play in the KFFSC. <laughs> Shameless plug that I will not uh, – but I'll email you details. Yeah, I don't think we have enough already. So anything more, I'll, I'll probably take a look at it. Yeah, there you go. You need it. Hey, um, I guess this is a question for both both of you guys. Bill, I'll ask you. If Eckler is this electric talent, which you said he is, and I totally agree, wouldn't it behoove the Chargers to maybe take the load off him a little bit to keep him healthier, not just this year, but the next coming years, and then work in a guy like Isaiah Spiller? So maybe Eckler touches the ball less, but maybe he's actually on the field more and his efficiency goes up. I'm spitballing here. Is that an argument you can get behind, Bill? I mean, I can get behind that, but I was going to say also, I mean, the Chargers are a Super Bowl contender. And mm-hmm. as much as fantasy players don't want to hear that, you got to take the ball out of his hands a little bit to keep him healthy toward the end of the year for the playoff run. So that that's where Spiller, come, uh, that's where Spiller comes into play in my book. Hey, I want to hit it well. back to you across the net, so to speak. You know, <laughs> this, this, uh, this head coach made some interesting decisions last year down the stretch. And uh, his, his uh, honeymoon period there, with the Chargers, it has been a long one. Uh, he seems to deal with the criticism well of some of, of some of the way he managed some things. I I don't see him in these tight games that we all envision, these big scoring games, uh, as we approach the goal line. Him having Austin Eckler anywhere except in the backfield to try to make something happen. That's just my thoughts. Um, I want to keep talking about running backs because I think it's a it's a worthwhile discussion. We have been trying to solve the riddle, Bill, on this show of the Miami backfield. So many guys there. Raheem Mostert, uh, Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin for now. Um, Zaquandre White is there. Sony Michelle is there. Uh, there's so many players there. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, as you look at that backfield, do you have a favorite Dolphins running back that you've been selecting this year? Well, I mean, Moster's great for two and a half, three games till he gets injured. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you got to follow the money. They, they went out and got Chase Edmonds, six million guaranteed, twelve million over two years. Uh, I got him literally. I just did him in the main event at eight ten. I, I mean, I think he's a steal in eight ten. He he is going in in football guys drafts right now at eight oh six. So obviously, some value there in the main event for you. This is Corderell Patterson, James Cook. Rashad Penny, Ramondre Stevenson territory. And I guess you could make the case there that maybe Penny and Patterson are also starters. 
technically, I guess Edmonds isn't a starter, but for all intents and purposes, I think most people are viewing him as a starter on a team. And I keep bringing this up that just hired a, a, a head coach that loves running the football. So there's a lot to like there. And when in doubt, Bill, I, I think you're right. Um, the tiebreaker here is, well, who's getting paid the most by the team? That's mm-hmm. probably going to be the guy they use the most. And it's probably going to be Evans. And, oh, by the way, it doesn't hurt that he catches passes, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, um, you got Waddle and Hill running downfield, clearing out the backfield. Tua can dump off three, four balls to him a game. Bill, I, I get I get some some criticism on the show from time to time of, of fellow fantasy players that say I love all the players. You know, I, I, I'm always finding something positive to say about the players. Uh, I hope they're watching tonight's show because I, I just you know, don't. And and I'm going to ask you about a tight end in our FFPC premium tight end. I love them. I love stacking up tight ends. I draft them more probably than anyone else in, in my in my divisions in my twelve team leagues. Uh, one I do not draft, and one I don't understand why he is being drafted at the point he is. Balky can fill us in, but I, in my most recent draft, uh, he was in the ninth round. Irv Smith, and I'm I'm trying to find some things to like about Irv. I think he's a pretty solid football player. But for our purposes, I don't think he does a lot for us, and now he's hurt. Can you shine some light on Irv Smith? Am I wrong? Am I right? Or is it still too soon to tell? It's all kind of relevant where you can get him. Um, I mean, I kind of—I don't think I trust him as a tight end one in that range. Oh. I would probably—I would probably rather have Cole Clement if I'm putting the tight end position, mm. which I've done quite a bit this season so far. He's probably. Three, four in targets coming. I mean, you got Cook coming out of the backfield. Yeah. You've got Adam Thielen, who's obviously a tight end, um, or he's obviously a touchdown threat in the red zone. You got the big mm-hmm. uh, Jeffries. Uh, I mean, I, I, he's he's a nice number two tight end. Okay, well, that is your number two. If he's your number two, it means that sometimes you're going to start him, and that's what everybody says. Sometimes to me. you they have say, to start him. Yeah, they they say, hey. Uh, this player, if he wasn't hurt, he's well. He hasn't been hurt. He's been in 29 games. He's he's been active for 29 games and he's been targeted 90 times, uh, three targets a game. Uh, you know, I know they had a different player mix there, but I, I just you know when 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 the off season training program started, he the guy he's working with is not the quarterback; it's the trainer. And I just think uh, I just think that uh, this is a player again that that I want to pass on. Hey, let me ask you something, Bill. Um, when you say you've been punting tight end a lot this year and, and going with somebody after 10, 12 of them are off the board, yeah. historically, has that been your strategy? Do you normally wait on tight ends in the FFPC? No, I I've, I like Pitts this year. If I can't get an early share of Pitts, I'm going to wait. I, I like going, I like kind of loading up with, probably three out of six running backs in the first uh, six rounds and then going after the wide receivers. I think there's just too much value with good, young, number one wide receivers. So if I, if I can't get a Pitts, I'm, I'm waiting on tight end. Out of those I'm top really, five or six tight team. ends, which one is is which one do you see is, is not being successful this year? Or are they all going to be successful? You just would like a different player mix. I, I'll give it another way. It scares me to say this. Evan Ingram is one I'm really targeting in the Jacksonville offense. Really? Yes. That's a surprise. 
Why yeah, Ingram he, this year, Bill? He's the same age when Kelsey had his first thousand yard season. I think he was in a bad offense, a bad situation with McAdoo and the Giants. I'm a believer in the young quarterback in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I am. I, I think he could be the number one in targets. I, I like Kirk coming there somewhat, but I think Ingram could be the number one in targets um, for the season. I mean, call me crazy. It could blow up in my face, but I've got a little, I've got some shares of Ingram already. Um, getting back to Farrell's question, do you think there is an early round tight end bust this year among those first five or six guys? Talent-wise, I think uh, George Kittle's top two tight end in the league. But opportunity-wise, we don't, we don't really know what we're getting with Lance as far as quarterback play. I mean, you got to take Kittle in the mid-third, early fourth. Is he going to get the targets? Is he going to get the targets in that offense? You know, it's a running offense. You got Debo, Ayuk. I mean, I, I, I think Kittle's a – I'm not going to say a bust. I think he's a risky play in that position, mm-hmm. in that draft position. Um, Bill, let's get to – we got a couple of emails that came in from, uh, from viewers here that I want to get to. The first one is uh, from Joe in Tampa. He writes, does Dalton Schultz's contract situation affect the way you're drafting him? And is he going too high in football guys' drafts right now? Thanks, Bill. That's Joe in Tampa. Joe, we appreciate the email. For um, uh, context sake here, Dalton Schultz right now is the tight end six at the end of the fourth round. So, uh, Bill, what are your thoughts on the Dallas tight end this year? Well, I mean, my thoughts are on the Dallas offense. It's it's hopefully going to be a dynamic offense. Good offensive line, good quarterback. If Dak comes back and stays 100% healthy, there's a huge amount of opportunity with um, Cooper being gone. I mean, I think Schultz fits. I think Schultz slots in well. I, I mean, I, I don't love him, but I love I like him in in a late fourth round. I I take Schultz over Kittle probably. Yeah, eight out of ten times. I think Schultz is a nice value. I don't um, think he I don't think he has the upside to give you a 30 35 point week like a Kittle could if he goes off, but. I think consistency, uh, he's a nice, he's a nice tight end. Yeah. Do you, and that's sort of a, a broader question here, Bill, when you're drafting in these early, you know, third, fourth, fifth round, are you looking more for consistency rather than upside? In other words, are you looking for a, is a higher floor more important to you than a higher ceiling early in your draft? I, I think it depends. It depends on what I'm looking at. If, if I have to, if I'm starting two running backs in the first two rounds, which I've done a lot, I'm looking for good low floor. I know I'm going to have a good basement. I would start to then look more for just upside. I mean, I, I guess I'm a little more aggressive. That's where, um, I mean, I think the, the the wide receivers come into play. Like you talked a little bit about Gabriel Davis. Like I, I had a decision between Gabriel Davis and um, Cooks. I took Cooks, but I was looking for the consistency on this team being a main event team. But a football guys team, I'd probably take Gabriel Davis just for the more upside. You're going against a larger field, a bigger field. Interesting. Um, one more email, and then Farrell's going to ask you uh, our final question for you here. Uh, Bill, this is Wade. Wade in Little Rock wants to know, with uh, Cooper Cup's otherworldly season, the addition of Allen Robinson, the continued development of Van Jefferson and the potential return of Odell Beckham looming. Is Tyler Higby a guy to stay away from in drafts? That is Wade in Little Rock. 
He's certainly painting a picture here for you, Bill. Uh, <laughs> yes. I don't think he likes Higby. Do you like Higby this year? I, I don't know if Beckham plays much of a role. I mean, he got a late season ACL injury. I, I think Van Jefferson's going to take a nice step up. I mean, the Rams have used more three three wide receiver sets than anybody. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he's more of a threat um, to Tyler Higby. And again, I mean, I'm not a best ball player, but Higby to me is more a best ball tight end where you know he's going to have a couple games where he's going to have nice – he can have two touchdown games. But the question is when are you going to, when are you going to have that? Right. I'm not really looking or targeting a whole lot of Tyler Higby unless for unless it's a depth tight end, um, two or three on the roster. Probably three on the roster. Bill, you have said several times now that you are not a best ball player. That's not your forte. That's not something you go after. What is it about – season-long fantasy football with the managed lineups, with the waivers. What is it about that format that you enjoy better than the set-it-and-forget-it aspect? Honestly, I think it's the strategy. You know, playing in the football guys in the main events the last five, six years, that's what separates – you know, the season is what separates people. You see a lot of mistakes being made on the waiver wire. You see a lot of good players take advantage of the waiver wire. Uh, look at – um. You know, Philip Lindsay with Denver when he broke out three years ago. I mean, that was a waiver wire pickup. Uh, Tony last year, I mean, if he stayed if he stayed healthy, I think he'd have been a great waiver wire pickup. Right. But uh, Cordell Patterson was a waiver wire pickup. Yeah, he wasn't was terrible either. <laughs> I I enjoy that aspect of fantasy football. Bill, you you um, and I, Farrell, I promise I'm going to let you ask a question, but one more follow up to that. When you say you see a lot of players making mistakes off the waiver wire. If somebody comes up to you and say, Hey, Bill, I saw you on the critically acclaimed, highly watched high stakes fantasy football or podcast on YouTube. What else would they say? About exactly. Well, obviously, yes, obviously they're going to say that. Um, but when they, when they're going to say to you, you said that a lot of people make mistakes off waiver uh, on the waiver wire in high stakes leagues. I'm just joining my first high stakes FFPC league this year. What are the mistakes to avoid on the waiver wire as I'm placing my bids, as I'm managing my team? I mean, if you consistently, like I consistently look at the, the true top players, they don't overbid early. They have bid money throughout the season. They, they don't blow their bid water early. And but you got to budget yourself for a 16-week season. Mm. You're very right. good that's, advice. No. I would give advice, Balky, to a guy that's coming in uh, for his first time. If he, if he sees Bill sitting at the table, he should feign some type of illness and ask for a reschedule. Or, and hear me out on this, challenge Bill to a marathon tennis match prior to the draft to hopefully tire him out so he's not playing. Right, there's a lot of different options. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And, you know, I, I uh, just just to finish up on Higby, I agree with you. And, and it, you know, those when he was unavailable, those young guys played well. The two guys, the one from Missouri and one from Vanderbilt, uh, I can't recall their names right now. But they're very good players, and, they, and, and I thought they played well, and I think they'll push him for a little time. Um, you know, Bill, you look like you got a little seasoning, but I doubt if you joined me in the mid-'80s at, uh, at music festivals I was at. So I'm going to frame uh, tonight's <laughs> question. Uh, my, the reason I do the show is where I get to ask this question. I'm going to phrase it in musical terms for you. Um, I went to a concert in the mid-80s, George Thorogood's uh, hit song, Who Do You Love? So I want to get that player, Who Do You Love? And then later, about a, about two years later, 
Uh, Chrissy Hind of the Pretenders unearthed an old Motown song that I really didn't care for, uh, called "It's a Thin Line Between Love and Hate," and it, uh, it it was a fabulous song on her second album, and 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 I loved it. And so I want you to cross that uh, thin line to hate and tell me who do you love and who do you hate in this year's FFPC draft. I think I am stay from Leonard Fournette. Mm. Mm, there you go. Please expand that, on that. Uh, yeah, I'm having some. I'm having some trouble getting hearing what you're saying. It's yeah, just just now. go ahead. Go ahead and tell us what you don't like about Fournette. I don't like his weight. I, you know, I lived in Jacksonville for 12 years, so I was there when he was drafted. There was more than a few stories when he was injured with lazy rehab. He just got his he just got his big contract again. I'm not a Fournette guy. I, I don't You're just see holding a Fournette him. grudge, Bill. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> All the way back to Jags. And I, I mean, I see, I see the value. I see the value of Brady dumping balls off to him all season. I people love him, but in that draft for that draft capital, I'm looking other areas. George Thurgood and I want to know who you love. Somebody we haven't talked about yet. Somebody that's absolutely got to be on your rosters. I, C.D. Lamb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm not the first person to say that, but I'm a C.D. Lamb guy. I really am. I was, I was a C.D. Lamb guy last year, but this year with Cooper being gone, I mean, I'd be shocked if he didn't finish top five as a wide receiver. So when you're stacking up all these early running backs, you're taking Lamb in the second round then? I took Lamb, yeah. Uh, I did a draft at 11, uh, the first main event draft, and I took uh, Lamb 2-1. Um, uh, or, I'm sorry, 2-2. Uh, two, two. Two. Yeah. Which I, think is I, I mean, I, not a steal, but I think that's getting good value, good bang for your buck. Sure. I, I, would, I would take C.D. Lamb over Diggs, which may or may not get me in trouble. But <laughs> And I, I realize the Buffalo offense and the Diggs target share and red zone work, but I, I think C.D. Lamb takes another step up in this start of yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, there's plenty of people out there that don't like Lamb this year. I am not one of them. I am Team Lamb. I'm very excited for a big season from him. And I'm very excited to see another big season from the incomparable Bill Van Ormer. You follow him on Twitter at Wavo20, W-A-V-2-0. Uh, five main event league titles under his belt. Multiple football guys winner. And we will see you again in Pros versus Joes coming up in about two weeks here. Bill, thanks so much for doing the show. Be good. Hey, gentlemen, thanks go- for having me. Absolutely. Good luck this season, man. Thank you, sir. We'll see you both in Vegas. You, you got Thank it. You, Bill Van Ormer, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, the multi-league winner of the FFPC Main Event Football Guys Leagues and, of course, Pros versus Joes contestant. As our Pros versus Joes tour rolls on, we'll tell you who next week's guest is in a little bit, but he's another Pros versus Joes uh, contender this year. Good stuff from Bill. Um, I like the fact that that he's you know already soaked himself in the FFPC main event. You heard he's got that slow draft going on right now. And um, he knows who he likes and he knows who he doesn't like. Uh, Fournette, mm-hmm. not on his uh, on his board. I like Lamb. You know, we've had a lot of people say that that they're looking at, you know, Mike Evans or Debo Samuel, guys like that instead of CeeDee Lamb Farrell. Sounds like you and I are Team CeeDee Lamb as well. I, I think we are. And um, I think if we want to expound on any player that, that hasn't been talked about much in Dallas yet, Balky, uh, we could talk about 
the heir apparent to the, the starting position, especially if Gallup is not completely ready, and that's a rookie tofer. Yeah, yeah. And let's and I'll tell you what, do we have I don't know if we have yes, perfect. Farrell, you had a great segue there, and I totally biffed it like the unprofessional buffoon I am. So let's talk <laughs> about Jalen Pol- Tolbert right now. Um, we saw a report this week. <laughs> John Mashota, who covers the Cowboys for the Athletic, said that uh, uh, Tolbert is uh, coming into training camp as the presumed starter, as a presumed starter. Now, Michael Gallup, probably not going to be ready after his late season ACL tear. Um, But teammates are talking Tolbert up. Coaches are are talking him up. He was a third-round pick this past year. Mashota, I'm going to read the quote from Mashota here. Uh, Tolbert looked pretty good working with the first team at the end of minicamp. And it looks like he'll be in the three wide receiver set with CeeDee Lamb and James Washington uh, to start the season. Now, when Gallup comes back, I think it's pretty obvious that Gallup will move ahead of Tolbert and James Washington. So then in order to stay in those three wide receiver sets in that high-powered Dallas offense, he is going to have to outperform James Washington. Washington didn't participate in OTAs or minicamp because he is nursing a left foot injury. All the while, Tolbert's been working out with Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and the rest of the ones. Tolbert has worked on the outside, he's worked in the slot, and he's also been on the punt return team. So the question is, Farrell, how do you balance Jalen Tolbert knowing that he could get off to a, a solid start to the season, but that may wear down as or the, the production may wear down when Michael Gallup comes back, knowing that he is a 14th round pick as wide receiver 64 in the Football Guys Players Championship at the moment? I think that's another steal then we can talk about. I thought he was going a little higher than that. Um, This time last year, uh, taking a page out of uh, football scouting of senior players as as we prepare to recruit, uh, Tolbert was viewed uh, as a South Alabama Jaguar. He was viewed as a preferred free agent, which was foolish. Makes you even wonder why they, the, some of the teams subscribe to the scouting service. But he he was followed very quickly, and it didn't take long for the teams to catch up on him. Now, so you say, well, playing at South Al, who'd he do it against? He was very successful, very clean, smooth, six foot two inch, approaching two hundred pound wide receiver. He would later go on to run a four or five at at the combine, but he covers ground quickly. But he played against. Alcorn A&M, Southern Miss, Georgia Southern's in that division. Bowling Green, a non-conference struggle against Bowling Green. But as we as we move towards Thanksgiving, uh, he played uh, in Tennessee, and and what you would expect to happen, the final score was was like fifty six to fourteen. But I think both were Tolbert touchdowns. He dropped the first pass of the game. And then the second pass he caught was a one-handed pass. And if, if you go bulky, if you go to YouTube and watch the highlights of that game, you'll see that his second catch was this beautiful one-handed catch. And he had a consistently good game throughout. And in every play that they targeted him, there was a pass interference by Tennessee that was not called. Guy's actually ripping this kid's jersey off. He plays with a lot of heart. When they were down 56 to 7, he caught a dig route. He shed the defensive back that was hanging all over him, and he took it to the end zone. This is my kind of player. Um, he, along with, there were two third round draft picks, wide receivers on the field that day. Uh, interesting, we've talked about both of the teams. Vellis Jones went to the Bears, uh, Tolbert uh, to the Cowboys. I love 
both players, but if I had to choose between them, Tolbert is my guy. And I think about uh, Cedric Wilson in this offense last year. Uh, Tolbert is uh, a contributing player. I, I really like Wilson, but Tolbert will be a better player as the season goes on. And I will finalize my Tolbert soliloquy by saying that this is a player that you won't be able to get off the field in Dallas. He's going to make everything everything better uh, for everyone. And James Washington will be uh, down the depth charts, my prediction. Um, and I could see that. And now I'm I'm just kind of curious, Farrell, and you may know this off the top of your head. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. It was a one-year deal that Washington signed with Dallas. Mm-hmm. And it was barely over a million bucks. So it's not like mm-hmm. they broke the bank for him. So he'll be a free agent after this season. Um, something to keep in mind when you consider after they signed Washington, they went out and utilized a third-round pick on Jalen Tolbert. Reading between the lines there, I think you know what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Speaking of reading between the lines, what in the heck is going on with Rob Gronkowski? Mike <laughs> Reese on Twitter was uh, at a Boston charity event. Uh, and this mm. is what he reported. Uh, from Rob Gronkowski saying that he is done from football. Um, he uh, was asked, well, what if Tom Brady called you? And Gronk said, well, I'll take the phone call, but I'm not playing football again. Drew Rosenhaus did say that it wouldn't surprise him if Gronkowski came back, but Gronkowski was pretty adamant that, look, I'm you know, on to the next phase of my life. I'm doing the business thing now. I'm not doing the football thing anymore. So two questions, Farrell. One, are you drafting Rob Gronkowski at all, even late in the best ball? And number two, uh, Cameron Brate versus Cade Otten. What are your thoughts? Uh, let's don't draft him, but let's hope he does come back for all those who drafted him in the spring. And then, um, yeah, Brate is a dependable tight end. Uh, Otten is a young player that they're trying to develop, and there's a lot of teams that do that. We watched uh, a rookie tight end last year at Pittsburgh have to deal through a terrible situation. And he caught over 60 balls and seven touchdowns. That was Friar Moose. So rookie tight ends can get the job done. We talked about Otten last time I was on the show. Uh, you know what? If you want to uh, have a successful rookie season, getting your start in the NFL, you've got some expectations for you to play the position. Uh, learning from Brait is a good way. Catching balls from Brady is a good way. So if I'm going to yeah. draft someone at that tight end position, I'm going to draft Otten and hope that he develops to be the kind of tight end I want when we get to the double-digit weeks and, uh, you know, week 14 with all the bye weeks and these kind of things. I'm willing to gamble on the play the long game with Otten. Um, let's uh, get into some emails here tonight, Farrell, from uh, the listeners. Chris in Freehold, New Jersey, is up first. He wants to know, hey, guys, I'm super stoked about the Broncos adding Russell Wilson like seemingly everyone else. Are there any Broncos you're staying away from in drafts right now? Have a great weekend, Chris in Freehold, New Jersey. I will say this. Um, I, I, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good with Sutton. I like Sutton. I'm okay with Judy. I just took him in a draft, um, so I'm okay with him. Um, the running backs, I, I'm good with Gordon. I'm a little nervous about Javante Williams. If for no other reason than you, you have to give up a lot of draft capital um, to, to acquire Javante Williams on your team. This was a guy who was a first round pick uh, before Gordon resigned. Now he has slipped to the late second round. That's still a lot to give up for what could be a, you know, one a and one B backfield. So I'm a little nervous about him. And I'll tell you, I'm going to be honest with you here. I don't know what to think about the tight end situation. You have Albert Okaweponom. And then you have a lot of people saying Greg Dulcich is, is the guy there and, and could be the guy sooner rather than later. 
So I guess for both of those guys, I'm a little bit nervous. Of, I, Dulcich maybe not as much because it, it costs a lot less to draft him. But I'm kind of staying away from Okuwepanam and, and Javante Williams right now just because of what you have to give up to get him. I think you should embrace Williams, and I think in uh, Uncle Albert's case, you're making the real good move. I think that is a, a true receiving tight end by committee, and the young UCLA rookie has uh, got a lot of upside uh, catching the ball. And then, then, of course, everyone should flock to the 20th round to take Tyreek McAllister bulky. So, you know, at, at running back. Oh, yes. You, you know, now, that got, is one I love. You, Love you, you've got you've got that working for you too. So th- there's there's really no reason to uh, to avoid uh, Denver if you're playing in the KFFSC. I don't want to take an AFC West defense because of the abilities for them to score points, and that's a bad thing in Kentucky. But you know what? That defense in the FFPC, I think, will will make some plays. They'll get after quarterbacks that'll throw the ball often, so they're going to sack them some. Uh, and I really like their special teams. Let's talk about KJ Hamler. He's uh, he's largely free, and uh, I, I can see him uh, doing some fine things out of the slot, and and perhaps as a special team uh, player. Although there's another rookie named uh, Montrell Washington who will probably take that punt return job. Uh, Pat in Northbrook, Illinois. As we move east in our discussion, hey Farrell and Balky, which Panthers pass catchers? are more desirable now with Carolina adding Baker Mayfield. Pat in Northbrook, Illinois, thank you so much for the email. Um, DJ Moore has gone up in football guys drafts for sure. Um, And, you know, Terrace Marshall and Robbie Anderson were borderline undraftable uh, before. They're good flyers for me right now at at this point. I don't really necessarily think Mayfield is this uber upgrade over Darnold, but they do make those other two guys draftable for me, Farrell. And I like DJ Moore quite a bit. I think we have to evaluate Baker Mayfield as a average NFL quarterback in this situation. And the job apparently is not his, if you believe the coach talk. Right. Um, and they opened the first game of the season with the Cleveland Browns. Could you imagine Baker Mayfield not being on the field for Carolina? Um, and, and I'll tell you this, Farrell, and I think uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak is the one who pointed this out. That because of the buyout or not the buyout, but but the um, the monetary financial agreement between the Panthers yes. and the Browns, the Browns are actually paying Baker Mayfield a half, roughly a half million dollars to try and beat them in Week One of the season. Oh yeah, because you're dividing it into right. what there. Yeah. Well, you know, our favorite line from Moneyball is is when. Uh, David Red Justice and, and Billy Bean. Billy Bean talks to David Justice and said, no, the Yankees are paying you. And, you know, that's exactly what you've got here. <laughs> For me, this addition of the quarterback does nothing to make me want to draft these wide receivers. I'm glad they're going up the board. I'm going to let somebody else draft them. And I'm going to get some wide receivers with quarterbacks that can, that can uh, spin it a little better than the fellows that are in Carolina. Uh, Mark in Fort Davis, Texas. I just saw Lamar Jackson put on 15 pounds this offseason. Y'all think that's a good or bad thing for his fantasy output? Thanks. That is Mark in Fort Davis, Texas. This is always an interesting thing, Farrell. I used to think I had a good handle on these things. I thought it was 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 good when a guy would um, lose weight. thought it was bad when he gained weight. Then I flip-flop on that. It's bad when a guy loses weight. It's good when he gains weight. And I don't really have a good situation or a good answer to this question. But I do know this. Lamar Jackson is super talented. I know he's working his tail off because he thinks he he needs to get paid um, maybe better than what Deshaun Watson got paid. 
and I know he's going to come out with a vengeance this year. Now, yeah. if, if putting 15 pounds on um, is, is going to help him do that, or if he believes putting 15 pounds on is going to help him do that, then I think it's going to help him do that. It's probably going to make him a little bit more durable. I don't necessarily think it's going to hurt his speed all that much. In fact, it might even help it for, for all I know. So I guess I would lean towards saying that this is a good thing. Okay. How old is Lamar this year? Ooh, that's a good question. Let's look it up. 24? Does that yeah, sound because, right? because when I went from 23 to 24, I put 15 pounds on, and I don't really – I didn't do anything any different than what I had been doing. <laughs> uh, you you know, just turned 25. Okay, good for him. Uh, the um, – <laughs> It wasn't too long ago that players used to go to camp and they would try to shed some pounds because they would be heavy. Uh, th those days are long over. Uh, football conditioning is a year-round thing. You can believe that if he's uh, if, if Lamar has put weight on, it's a purposeful gain uh, for the weight. And we remember him as uh, you know, if he if he turned sideways, he'd be like Bill Van Armer who's playing uh, tennis in in Las Vegas. If he turned sideways, you couldn't see Lamar. You know, so <laughs> now that uh, now that uh, he's maturing, uh, the muscle maturity that uh, his body brings uh, to the backfield there at Baltimore is is a good thing. So yeah, yeah Lamar with the with the good season. One of these days, we'll have to spend a whole hour talking about Lamar, uh, sports agents in his contract. But that's oh, I thought we were going to stay away from that, Farrell. We probably should. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll start a new podcast. It'll be completely different from this, and we'll get the silhouettes. We'll get the voice disguise, you know, and, and we'll and we'll be we'll be able to speak honest with it. Nobody will know who it is. If it's you, it's you. If it's not, it's not. We won't know. Roger in Daytona Beach has our fi final email this week. I see a lot of hate for Clyde Edwards-Alaire and fantasy Twitter. So why isn't Ronald Jones going higher in the Football yes, Guys Players point. Championship? Roger in Daytona, Florida. Thank you for watching and thank you for emailing Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We talked a little bit about with our guest tonight, Bill Van Ormer, and talk, he talked about why he likes him uh, in the sixth round right now. But Ronald Jones, man, I mean, this is a guy that um, wasn't too far. I mean, look, he, he didn't, he never lived up to what the Buccaneers thought he was going to be. It's part of the reason he became a free agent. But for a guy um, who is playing as the, you know, de facto first and second down starter on that team, mm -hmm. or at least that's what most people believe he's going to be, um, on one of the most elite offenses in the NFL for him going at that 9-10 turn right now as running back 40. Man, I, I, there's a lot to like about that value there. If Edwards Hilaire goes down, um, then that's even more for Ronald Jones. And I know the Jarrett McKinnon thing gums it up a little bit. But remember, McKinnon had those good playoff games. He was not very good in the regular season. So I think there's a lot to like about Ronald Jones at that 9-10 turn. I do too, and Roger has spilled the beans late in the show. Maybe not everyone's listening. Roger, it was a good secret before you threw it out there, and Balky and I have to tell the truth. We're sworn to tell the truth. We think right. it's a good play. I I just, you know, and, and as Hudson Reeve is just pointing out in the chat right now. Where's he been? He's a savior. Exactly. He's a savior for zero RB teams. You know, this is the, yes. exactly the type of guy you want to – if you pound those receivers on a tight end or quarterback early – this is the type of player you want to be going after in the ninth and 10th round. Farrell Elliott is the type of commissioner that you want to be playing your fantasy football under the Kentucky fantasy football state championship, KFFSC.com, the draft masters, the run to daylight and main event going off shortly. I just looked it up. Farrell. We have a main event on Thursday. Yeah. Thursday of the 21st that will kick off the live draft but only three left in that uh, opening camp uh, division of the main event online. 
Uh, and that starts when it's full. So that's very exciting as well. Yeah, only three left. And I think that might start this weekend or early next week in conjunction with opening camp. You know, drafting this early online, it's a little new to us. So some of these early ones might not feel. But you know what? Based on our schedule, we're going to be there for when the drafters are ready to play. And if you've never played with us, give us a chance because it will uh, it will hone your skills to go to Las Vegas and play for that million dollars. And this year at the KFFSC, our $300 entry plays for a $25,000 grand prize. That's but you have to well. take it away from Bulky. <laughs> you are too kind, my friend. The check is in the mail. Uh, $25,000 grand prize in the KFFSC main event this year. That's going to be awesome. And you can compete against a lot of the guys that you're going to be competing against in the FFPC in the KFFSC, whether you're drafting online, whether you're drafting in Cincinnati, or whether you're drafting in Louisville. Farrell, it's been fun. Let's do it again. Same time next week at 10, 9 central. Be good and enjoy your weekend, dude. You too, bud. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, definitive commissioner of fantasy football. Follow him on Twitter at Elliott, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC on Twitter and, of course, KFFSC.com. This completes tonight's programming, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to Bill Van Ormer, uh, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for watching, downloading, streaming. And, of course, a special shout out. If you are hitting the notification bell, if you are subscribing to the FFPC YouTube channel at youtube.com slash FFPC fantasy, and if you are uh, setting up notifications, if you are commenting on the videos, we always appreciate that as well. Um, that will only help to grow the YouTube channel and only help to get more content out there too. This is the first time I think we've ever done three video casts in the same week. We had live best ball coverage with myself and Dave Terpoli on Monday. We had the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with Brad Petri and Darren Larson on Wednesday. And tonight you get Bill Van Ormer and Farrell Elliott. What more do you need? This is it. It's your home for season long high stakes fantasy football coverage. We are back next Friday. Speaking of more fantasy football coverage, seven time FFPC and football guys league winner plus a 2022 pros versus Joe's entrant and the second time he's done it. So he's got some experience in it. Matt Marcu will join us on the program next week at 10, nine central. Looking forward to that. The main event slow drafts are live. Get in on those while you can. The main event squads register your live teams before July 25th. So you will get your um, draft slot by August 1st. Whether you're drafting early August, mid-August, late August, early September, you'll get it on August 1st. You can start prepping for that now. What's the best way to prep? Maybe doing some Football Guys Players Championship drafts. Those are going off all this weekend. I'm commissioning all those. Be great to see you in there. Uh, the uh, FFPC Best Ball Tournament and Superflex Best Ball Tournament. If you are, unlike Bill Van Ormer, if you are a best baller, those are what you want to do. $125 could get you 200 grand, And then the Superflex, $35 could get you $10,000. That one's almost 60% full, so make sure you're getting in that one quickly. Uh, the Dynasty Startups will go on throughout the summer. Uh, we got a bunch of them popping off this weekend, so make sure if you want a year-round fantasy football challenge, you're getting in on those. And, of course, the closed 12-team leagues, you just want to play against 11 other owners. Uh, maybe dip your toes in the water before you start going for a million. I don't recommend it. Just go for the million right away. It's much better, much better payoff. But you could still do that. Uh, we have sit-and-goes, slows, live uh, formats for Varsity, Terminator, your classics, your best balls, whatever you want. We have what you're looking for at the FFPC, and so does the KFFSC at kffsc.com. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. We will talk with you again next Friday at 10, 9 central. Your weekend officially starts now.
this has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Uh, one other thing I should mention here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Kern Reeve is around. He's just been on vacation. He'll be in Louisville this year. Do you want to compete against the definitive professor of the Ivy League? Louisville, Kentucky is where to do it at KFFSC.com. And don't forget about myffpc.com until then. Final plug of the night. Thank you so much for watching. We will be back next Friday, everybody.